48K News. Good afternoon, it's one o'clock, I'm Todd Harding. The headlines. The police launch a manhunt after knife-wielding thieves robbed two jewellery shop staff of 700,000 US dollars. Carrie Lamb sings the praises of the joint immigration checkpoint at the express rail terminus and the government faces more flack over its handling of the chaos caused by Typhoon Mankut. The police are hunting for three or four people who reportedly stole 700,000 US dollars in cash from two jewellery company staff in Hong Hong this morning. Sources say the staff were carrying the money in their backpacks when the robbers, armed with knives, confronted them. The robbers then fled in a getaway car and the two staff were taken to hospital for treatment. Sources say roadblocks have been set up across Hong Kong to try and catch the thieves. The chief executive, Carrie Lam, says implementing a joint immigration facility at the West Kowloon Express Rail Terminus was the biggest challenge of the project. In an interview with Mainland Media, Mrs Lam said the simplified border clearance procedures were what made the high-speed rail convenient and efficient. Without the joint checkpoint, she said, the rail line would lose its edge. Mrs Lam also said the railway was essential in strengthening ties between the SAR and the mainland. For example, she said it would take her less than 20 minutes to head to Shenzhen for a meeting with officials. Professor Brian King from the Polytechnic University School of Hotel and Tourism Management called the express rail a game-changer. The existing rail link is a bit old-fashioned, and this is a really up-to-date connection. So it's going to really strengthen the connections. We've got the big bay area, the high-speed network across China. I think it really is a game-changer longer term. So it's going to connect Hong Kong more strongly to its hinterland. The new People's Party chairwoman, Regina Yips, says civil servants not responsible for emergency services should have had the day off on Monday, the day after severe Typhoon Mankut hit Hong Kong. The government has been criticised for refusing to announce a public holiday, despite public transport operating at less than half its capacity in the aftermath of the storm. Mrs Yips says the government underestimated the problem. The government overlooked the severity of the traffic breakdowns and uh, did not send a clear enough message to the public stranded in NT East. I think if this number eight signal is uh, lower before office hour starts, uh, I think the next time the government should, in the light of the traffic condition, should send a very clear signal to the public that non-essential civil servants sh- uh, should not go to work and private sector employers should follow suit. The former Secretary for Security, Lai Tung Kwok, agreed with Mrs Yip's views, saying grievances only arose following the transport chaos in the eastern New Territories. The overall performance before and during the typhoon is very good. Uh, we have seen our emergency service staff work extremely hard in providing various rescue and relief to the public. The only problem arose when the anti-east traffic got stuck and this is where the grievances came out. Town planners have spent hours discussing a proposal by the Garden Company to turn its headquarters in Sham Shui Po into a commercial complex. During the meeting, concerns were raised over how the Grade 2 historic building would be preserved. The bakery company wants to turn the premises, built over 80 years ago, into a 25-storey office building that includes shops and a cookery school. The planning department says it's not opposed to it, nor is the Commissioner for Heritage's Office and Antiquities and Monuments Office, after the company promised to keep its landmark clock tower there. 
As search and rescue efforts continue for people missing in landslides triggered by Super Typhoon Mankut in the northern Philippines, at least 22 people have been killed in a massive landslip on the island of Cebu, way to the south. And it's feared many more may have died in the disaster, as Janice Wong reports. The slide surged down on about 30 houses in two rural villages near Naga City in central Cebu. The city's police chief said seven injured villagers were rescued from the huge mound of earth and debris. He said some victims managed to send messages after the landslide hit just after daybreak yesterday, adding that children and elderly women were among the dead. Officials in Naga City said at least 64 people are missing. They said rescuers are running out of time but needed to strike a balance between intensifying their efforts and ensuring the safety of emergency crews as the ground in the area is still vibrating. It's not clear what set up the landslide but some residents blamed limestone quarries, which they suspect may have caused cracks in the mountainside facing their villages. The landslide hit while provinces are still dealing with deaths and huge damage inflicted by Typhoon Mankut when it slammed into the far north of the Philippines on Saturday. Britain is reportedly considering plans to set up an international tribunal to bring Myanmar's military leaders to justice. Britain's Foreign Secretary Jeremy Hunt is expected to seek international consensus on his plans at the UN General Assembly next week. Here's the BBC's James Landale. A UN report last month listed gang rape, assaults on children, mass deportation and murder and the destruction of entire villages. The Foreign Secretary wants the UN to refer the allegations to the International Criminal Court. But he knows this could be vetoed by China in the Security Council. So he's looking at alternatives. I understand one option being considered is a separate international tribunal, like those set up by the UN to prosecute war crimes in the former Yugoslavia and Rwanda. The rap producer Marion Suge Knight has pleaded guilty to a voluntary manslaughter charge in a hit-and-run death in 2015. He was the co-founder of the influential West Coast hip-hop label Death Row Records, which launched the careers of artists like Dr Dre and Snoop Doggy Dogg. Here's the BBC's Peter Bowes. Suge Knight was accused of deliberately running over two men near a burger stand in Compton in 2015. One of the men, Terry Carter, died. Knight's lawyers argued that he'd been acting in self-defence. But now, days before he was due to go on trial, he's struck a deal with prosecutors. As part of the agreement, murder charges against Knight have been dismissed, along with separate criminal cases charging him with robbery and making criminal threats. He'll be sentenced next month to 28 years in prison. Britain's proposals for the terms under which it leaves the European Union have been dismissed as unworkable by the bloc. The EU Council President Donald Tusk said in their current form the plans could undermine the single market and fail to guarantee an open border between Ireland and Northern Ireland. President Macron of France said Brexit campaigners had misled the British people. Le Brexit, c'est le choix du peuple britannique. Brexit was the choice of the British people, and it was a choice that was pushed by those who predicted there would be easy solutions. But Brexit, and I say this with the utmost respect for the British people, has demonstrated that those who said they could do easily without Europe, that everything was going to be all right, that it was going to bring home a lot of money, that these people are liars. The German Chancellor Angela Merkel made clear that a deal on Britain's future relationship with the EU is still some way off. 
Today it has become clear that we need substantial progress by October and that we want to finalise everything by November. We have made good progress regarding the withdrawal agreement. There are basically two documents. We still have a lot of work to do regarding the future relationship and the necessary political declarations. It's emerged that one of the suspects involved in the Salisbury nerve agent poisoning in Britain may have visited the UK three times in the last two years. Here's the BBC's Gordon Carrera. The man calling himself Alexander Petrov appears to have made around 10 trips to Europe in the last two years. That's according to documents first obtained by the investigative group Bellingcat. As well as visiting Paris, Geneva and Amsterdam, he appears to have visited the UK three times. What's not clear is what the purpose was of the two earlier visits. On the final visit, Alexander Petrov and Ruslan Bashirov both travelled on genuine Russian passports, but it's alleged by the British government using false names. More than 40 people are confirmed to have died and hundreds are missing after a ferry capsized on Lake Victoria in northern Tanzania. The vessel overturned close to the shore, north of the city of Mwanza. It's reported to have been overloaded. Here's the BBC's Abu Bakar Famu. There were over 400 people in that particular ferry. It was an open market day in that area. Uh, So when we have uh, days like this, people from other places, they normally tend to travel long distance to make sure that they get to these uh, markets either to sell their various commodities, but also there are people who are coming from very uh, long distance to make sure that they buy product from those areas because they believe they are cheap. So the ferry was overcrowded. At the same time, some of them were carrying some very heavy uh, materials, such as cement and other building materials as well. To local business news, the head of the Monetary Authority says Hong Kong is strong enough to withstand further capital outflows. Norman Chan's assurance comes just ahead of the September meeting of the Federal Reserve, at which the US Central Bank is again expected to raise interest rates. Mr Chan says about $13 US dollars has been poured into the city since 2008, and 90% is still here despite the worsening trade war between China and the US. The two sides slapped further tariffs on each other's goods this week, but Mr Chan says it'll take some time to see the impact of this on financial and trade flows. The tariffs have just recently come into effect and quite a lot of uh, traders have actually tried very hard to speed up the shipment of goods so that they can actually escape the uh, higher tariffs. So I think it's too, too early, but maybe in the next quarter or two, the effects of these higher tariffs between the two uh, countries will be more apparent. But in the meantime, you can see that there's a shift in investor sentiment in Hong Kong and on China and in the emerging market uh, economies in general. Mr Chan also says he's confident that an agreement will be reached with mainland authorities to make it easier for Hong Kong residents to set up mainland bank accounts. He revealed that arrangements under discussion include letting people here open accounts across the border remotely and identity verification processes. He said he hopes to test out the new system in the Greater Bay Area, but stops short of giving a timetable. We are still in the process of discussing the details, but in principle, the do not seem to be insurmountable uh, problems because technology has helped us a lot to overcome the problem. In terms of biometric authentication, is also a great help, but there are also processes that we need to uh, reassess to make it easier and then uh, more convenient for Hong Kong residents to open bank accounts on the mainland. 
A short time ago, the Hang Seng Index was at 27,736. That's 258 points up on the previous close. Turnover stands at $52 billion. To currencies, the US dollar is trading at 112.73 yen. The euro is standing at 1 US dollar and 17 cents. And the pound is worth 10 Hong Kong dollars and 37 cents. Time some sports news now. Here's Damon Pang. Thanks, and we start with football, and Arsenal opened their Europa League campaign with a 4-2 victory over the Ukrainian side Vodka Potova, thanks to a double from Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. The BBC's John Southall reports from the Emirates. An emphatic victory, Arsenal were impressive going forward, but questions still linger about them defensively. Two late goals from FC Vorska rubbed a certain amount of shine off the victory. Unai Emery will have learned much from this game. He made eight changes from the weekend, but it was the tried and trusted Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang who gave Arsenal a first-half lead. They then opened up in the second 45 minutes. Danny Welbeck nodded in the second. Aubameyang fashioned in the third from the edge of the area, and Meza Ozil snaffled up the fourth. In Greece, Chelsea were 1-0 winners against PAOK. Williams' early goal the difference of the match. Chelsea manager Mauricio Sarri says it could have been a more convincing win. We were in control of the match for 90 minutes. We have had a lot of opportunities. We missed them. And so uh, I am really very happy with the three points. Very happy with the performance, I think. Also in the Europa League, five-time winner Sevilla stormed to a 5-1 victory over Sander-Liege. There are also wins for both Italian sides, AC Milan and Lazio. A late goal at home secured a 1-0 victory for Scottish champion Celtic against Rosenberg, and their rivals Rangers managed to come from behind for a 2-0 draw at Villarreal. On to golf, and Tiger Woods is at the top of the leaderboard at the Tour Championship alongside fellow American Ricky Fowler. Woods made an eagle from just over 25 feet on the final hole for a 5-under 65, and he says the putt felt good. 18 was nice. I hammered that drive up the left side, and it was nice to see it, it not in, in the rough, and I had 5-wood there. In order for me to get it there, I had to not have my 5-wood kick up in the air. And so once it hit its peak, then I, I knew it was good, and I started walking after it. And road number one, Justin Rose and Gary Woodland are 66. There's been widespread criticism of the World Anti-Doping Agency's decision to lift a ban on Russia's Sports Anti-Doping Authority. The readmission came three years after Russia's authority was excluded from maintaining a state-sponsored doping program. A critic described this as the greatest treachery against clean athletes in Olympic history. The women's marathon world record holder, Paula Radcliffe, wasn't happy with Russia's reinstatement. The biggest thing is that when you put a sanction in place with conditions, you have to stick to that, otherwise it undermines your credibility. And sadly, this goes against everything that WADA is supposed to stand for, and I fear it does undermine their credibility and the faith uh, that clean athletes have in them. Paula Radcliffe, and that's your spot. Thanks, Damon, and that's the news in sports from RTHK.